book of Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. As we look at Acts chapter 4, we're going to continue our series through the book of Acts as we, as we look at how we have been sent into this world. And, and one of the foundational truths that I've, I've tried to be sure we stress over and over and over again is that uh, the, since the beginning in our study of the book of Acts is that, that the church did not start off as an institution that is to be maintained or a building that is to be <coughs> occupied or even a, a service that is to be attended. Rather, the church was designed to be a movement of people that are called out and gathered around a mission that was given to them by Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, even as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Christianity swept across the nations. It swept across the world because these followers of Jesus understood their assignment and they lived a sin. They went everywhere with the gospel and they shared that gospel. And the people that we read about in the book of Acts have become to us very much so uh, heroes of the Christian faith. In the book of Acts, <coughs> we see people like Peter and John and Barnabas and Paul. We see these people that we have come to call heroes of the faith. But exactly then, what is a hero? I think it's important to understand that from the ideas that we have about heroes, that a hero is a person who is known for their bold action. A hero is a person that is known by their courageous acts. A, a hero is someone whose actions benefit other people. But here's an important thing to understand about heroes. They are not born, but they are made. I even think about maybe the best hero of all, Popeye, the sailor man, right? <laughs> Popeye always has to come to the rescue of olive oil from that br Brutus guy, right? But Popeye can do nothing until what? He eats his spinach, right? I've tried doing that, doesn't have the same effect on me that it has on Popeye. So there's a green leafy vegetable that has to transform Popeye into a hero. Heroes are not born. No one is born a hero but becomes one. And that's true in the book of Acts. Take, for example, Simon Peter. Peter was a man who was nothing, nothing like a hero at the death of Jesus. Peter is a man who, who, uh, who rejected Jesus, who, who wouldn't identify with Jesus, who denied that he knew Jesus. And yet here in the book of Acts, we see Peter taking a prominent role. We see Peter being someone who is showing us what it looks like to, to speak the word of Jesus with boldness, with courage. He is, in our minds, a hero 
pinnacle of the Christian faith, not because uh, of, of what he did in the past, but because of how God transformed him into who he became. You see, we often think about these people that we would call heroes of the faith. We sometimes think that they are so far above us spiritually that we could never attain to the spirituality that they had. But remember what we're going to see in the life of Peter, what we're going to see in the life of of John, what we're going to see in the life of, of Barnabas is to understand that what made them heroes was their belief in the gospel, the same gospel which we believe. So here's an important uh, disclaimer at the very outset. If we believe what they believed, then we become what they became. My prayer for us today is that we would embrace our assignment in being sent and that we would become to those around us what those first Christians were to us. You see, following Jesus is about being part of a movement that carries the gospel through your worlds. You may not be able to reach everybody, but you can reach somebody. You may not be able to go to the ends of the earth, but you can go to your world where God has placed you. In our text, we're going to see the people that God used. We're going to see these holy heroes who took bold and courageous action that benefited others and spread the gospel. And in doing so, they have become heroes for us. And they remind us that we can become holy heroes for others. Let's Let's read our text, Acts chapter 4, beginning of verse 23. Now when they were, or when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed." For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph 
who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. As I read this text to you this morning, as we think about this idea of the holy hearts of, or the heart of a holy hero, I want to bring to your attention three practices that these um, gentlemen in this text were doing that enabled them to, to have the heart of a holy hero. Three practices that it would not hurt us at all if we would embrace today. First is this, they trusted the plan of God. They trusted the plan of of God. Notice how they address the Lord in verse 24. They called him sovereign, sovereign Lord. That points to their belief that the Lord is in control of all things, that the Lord will use all things for his purpose to accomplish his plan. Look again at what they said down in verse 27. They, they said, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, God, this has happened according to your plan. We know that everything in its own way is under your control. We know that you have promised to use all things, good and bad, to accomplish your plan. So even though this seems overwhelming to us, we're going to trust that you're working in it, and we're going to trust that you're working through it. I want you to think with me for a second of how your perspective, how my perspective might change if the plan of God was your primary default setting in how you viewed life as it happened to you. What if your first thought was, God, you're my sovereign Lord, and I believe you're going to use this situation, whatever it is, this situation to accomplish your purpose. What would happen to your perspective if you saw everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as sovereignly allowed by God, not caused by God in all circumstances, but allowed by God, and it was able to be used by God to accomplish the plan and the mission of God. And let me just give you an example of, uh, of two extremes. When your health deteriorates, what if you were to say, God, you allowed this sickness. You didn't send it, but you allowed this sickness, and I believe you can use it to further your mission. God, show me how I can leverage my illness to further your kingdom. Or what about in the other, uh, on the other end of the spectrum? What, what if you come into to some kind of big blessing? What if you find some big windfall, let's say, of wealth? What if you come into a, a good job bonus? Uh, what if you come into, what if you win? What's the, the, the lotto now to like $7 trillion or something like that? Everybody's freaking out about it. What if somehow some friend gave you a ticket uh, to that and, and ended up being the winning one? What, what, what would you say? What, what would happen if you were to say, you know, God, you 
you allowed this blessing for your purpose to accomplish your mission. God, I don't want to use this good that's coming to life to build my kingdom. I want to use it as a blessing to further your kingdom. You see, we serve a God who turns tragedies into triumphs and has who has dominion over all of our difficulties. These heroes with the holy heart learn to trust the plan of God and to say, God, show me how you're going to use this for your glory and help me point people to you as I wait for your plan to unfold. Can you see, can you imagine how that would change your perspective? The heart of a holy hero trusts the plan of God. But secondly, they offered prayer to God. In fact, their trust in the plan of God led them to offer prayer to God. Notice what these early Christians did when they reported back to the church what had happened to them in verse 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, in the face of danger, in the face of difficulty, their first instinct was to pray. See, when you're trying to walk with the Spirit, prayer is not your last resort. It is your first response because you realize how dependent upon the Spirit of God you are for everything. Do you realize how dependent upon you are to God for everything? Do you realize that you can't take one step without God enabling you to take a step? Did you realize your pastor can't say one word unless it's God who clears his throat to say one word? Do you realize that you cannot do anything apart from the Spirit of God? We have to be totally dependent upon that Spirit, and the way we depend upon that Spirit is through prayer. Notice the item on their prayer list in verse 29. They said, grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. Isn't boldness what got them in the situation in the first place? And yet they're still praying, God, give us more boldness. You see, if I were in their situation, and and maybe if we were in a similar situation, we might want to pray for protection or deliverance. And I'm sure that that these holy heroes wanted those things. But catch this, before they prayed for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for faithfulness within them. They prayed that they would be bold for the gospel regardless of the outcome of their situation. Do you pray that God would make you faithful to your assignment of being sent even if the situations and the circumstances around you aren't great? Here's the neat thing about their prayer. Remember, they prayed to be bold in sharing the gospel Because they prayed this way, the gospel went forward. And because the generations who came after them prayed this way, 
the gospel eventually went all around the world, even to us. We're sitting here today worshiping because they prayed for boldness way back then in sharing the gospel. Their heroism led to our hearing the gospel, and our hearing the gospel led to our salvation. And may they be able to say that about us years from now, that we pray that God would give us boldness. These heroes of the faith, they first trusted the plan of God. They second offered prayer to God. And third, they sought power from God. Trusting God's plan moved them to pray. And in answer to their prayer, God filled them with the Holy Spirit, our text tells us who came in so powerfully, the place where they were meeting, it was shaken. There's an important part, and I'll try not to camp here too long. There's an important part of our Christian experience that is largely overlooked in, in churches like ours and in many other Baptist churches. And that is talk about seeking to be repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit, to have your soul shaken by the Spirit of God. You see, when you come to faith in Christ, you are, you, are, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit one time, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit repeatedly. And I can prove it to you. Let me ask you this. Has there ever been a time in your life when you did not feel as close to God as you once did? Anyone? Okay, anyone here also lying? Anyone? Everybody else put their hand up, right? Okay, for all of us, there have been times in our lives when we did not feel as close to God as we once did. Because that's not, now, if that happens, this is going to be an easy question, okay? When that happens, whose fault is it? Not God's. Whose fault is it? It's ours. If there's a drift in fellowship, it's not God who has moved away. It's you and I who have drifted. And that drifting is by not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about foaming at the mouth and walking around on the floor and passing around snakes and chickens, those kinds of things. Being filled with the Spirit means that I walk with the Spirit each day. It means I, I keep in step with the Spirit. How many of you are walkers? And by that, you walk for exercise. Okay, a lot more of you are in my camp. Well, you don't. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, uh, and again, I don't know this by experience. I just know it by the testimony of those who walk. When people get in groups that walk together, there's always that one person who walks at a faster clip than the other, right? Now, if you're thinking, I don't have that person in my group, you're the person. <laughs> and that person who walks faster, you've got to stay in step. Because if you don't stay in step, you get left behind. We have to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We don't get to choose the speed at which he works. And staying in step with the Spirit, walking the Spirit, doing the things that honor God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what gives these believers this power. And when these holy heroes sought God's power... The Holy Spirit filled their lives and their actions. Watch this. Their actions became marked by two things, by generosity 
and by boldness. Did you catch the generosity that's mentioned back in verse 32? Where it says the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. They, they, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They didn't have their names on their hammers and their drill sets and everything else. But they had everything in common. With great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. If they saw someone in need, they met the need. For as many as owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid at the apostles' feet. It was distributed as each had a look at what's happening. They see someone in need and they say, okay, I got a piece of property. I'm going to sell it and I'll use the the money, (coughs) the benefit from that to be a blessing to all people. That's generosity. Their lives were marked by, do you know why? You know why they were generous? Because God had been so generous to them. But you notice how it said that grace was just among them all that they experienced grace. And when you experience grace, you know what you do? You're gracious to other people. When the gospel grabs a hold of you, it changes you. And one of the things it brings forth from you is generosity, but not just this generosity. They had this boldness. Did you remember from our text how it says the place was shaken? Now, this this is uh, neat. If you've been dozing off, pay attention to this part. In the Old Testament... Whenever God came down, whenever God visited earth, there was always some supernatural event that caused fear. With Elijah, there was this great wind. With Moses, God came down to the mountain and there were earthquakes and lightning and smoke. There's all these things connected to fear. Then Jesus died. On the day he died, there was an earthquake that caused fear. The day he was resurrected from the dead, guess what happened? There was an earthquake that took place. The next, uh, up until this point, from the Old Testament all the way through Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection. Anytime God visited this earth, the place shook with fear. Except for this next time in Acts. This time when the earth shakes, it's not fear that the people have. Rather, it is boldness. You see, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he took the earthquake of judgment so we could receive the earthquake of power from the Holy Spirit. And now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we do not shape with fear. Instead, we shape with boldness because the God who has saved us has taken up resident within us. We are the temple where his presence now dwells. And if God, if this God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Embracing the gospel enables us to experience God's power by being filled with 
the Spirit, and that power makes us generous. That power makes us bold. The generosity comes from the cross. Jesus gave away his life for us. We're called to give our life away for his glory and for others. Boldness comes from the resurrection, just as God transformed the apparent defeat of Jesus into victory and salvation. He will transform our apparent defeats for his good purpose and to accomplish his redemptive plan. The filling of this Holy Spirit that gives us power. We should ask for these moments by praying for them just like these early believers did. But truth be told, as we talk about the heart of holy heroes, a lot of us are thinking there's no way I should be called a hero. Even if I trust the plan of God, even if I offer a prayer to God, even if I beg and seek power from God. See, we admire these holy heroes of the faith. It's good for us to desire to influence the world around us the way that they influence their world. But as we admire them, and as we aspire to be like them, let us remember that we are transformed into holy heroes for one purpose, and that's to point people to the capital H, holy hero, Jesus Christ. Today, we should trust the plan of God, not just for our benefit, but because it is through our trust in the plan of God that Jesus is lifted up and that God receives glory. We should offer prayer to God boldly and with confidence, but not just for our benefit. We pray so that God will move, and as he moves, he receives glory. We should seek power from God through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Not so we can advance our own agenda or achieve some status that puts the spotlight on us, but so that we can put the spotlight on Jesus and make much of the real hero, Jesus Christ. Later in the book of Acts, and we won't get to it today, we'll get to it in a couple of years when we wrap it up. But later in the book of Acts, Peter refers to Jesus and he uses this term. He refers to Jesus as an exalted leader and savior. And the word he uses for Jesus as a leader, it's an unusual word. The Greek people used it for champion or hero. Greek heroes were regarded as heroes because of their incredible power. Peter gives this title to Jesus but Jesus is an altogether different kind of hero. For you see, Jesus is a hero who used his power not to defeat his enemies, but he used his power to die in weakness to save his enemies. As we follow our hero today, Jesus May we pray that he would transform us into people whose hearts trust the plan of God, whose voices offer prayer to God, and whose souls seek power.
power from God. My question to you this morning is, have you met the real capital H hero, Jesus Christ, who used his power not for himself, but who used his power to save our souls? If you never met this Jesus, if you've never placed your faith in this Jesus, I would invite you right where you are at this moment, as best you know how, through prayer, to ask this Jesus to be your Savior, to confess your sin, to repent of that sin, and to trust in what this Jesus has done for you. And if you've already made that decision, I would encourage you to realize that the same gospel that transformed this timid man, this, what some people even say, a cowardly man named Peter who abandoned Jesus, but then transformed him into a hero of the Christian faith. Would you believe and trust in that gospel and seek the power from God that God would use you in your world with a heart of a holy hero. You may not be able to reach the entire world, but the entire world cannot be reached unless you first reach into yours, into your family, into your neighborhood, your community, into your coworkers. Not so you can say you're, you have the heart of a holy hero, but so you can point them to the hero who saves us from our sins. Let's bow together. Father God, as we place ourselves in your presence today, we surrender to your sovereignty and we place ourselves completely under your command. Father, for those in this room today who have never made the decision to trust you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would realize that you have done all the work necessary and that today they would place their faith in you. And Father, I pray for those of us in this room who have made that decision. I pray that we would realize that our responsibility is to trust the plan of God, that you will use every situation in our life to point people to you that you would help us to pray for boldness just as these first Christians did. And that you would seek, that we would seek the filling of the Holy Spirit so your power could flow through our lives through our generosity of sharing this gospel and boldness to do it. Whatever step you're calling us to make, may we have, <clears throat> have the faith to make it. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.